Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Faith and Justice. My name is Boston and my pronouns are he, him. My name's Lyndon, pronouns he, him. So today we wanted to talk about the recent anti-trans and anti-soji protests going on in Canada, as well as the counter-protests. Yeah, so what some of you may have heard, there were coast-to-coast protests uh, this is on September 20th, 2023. Uh, definitely over 75 hate rallies um, that would couch themselves around um, parental rights, kind of in square, square quotes, was what they were using organized around. But it was uh, largely about shifting the freedom of kids to be themselves in school, to explore their own gender identity, sexuality. Um, to have access to counseling and stuff independent from parents who may or may not be supportive. And so to have that extra safety at school, in public schools. Um, so that was partly a question and trying to, the uh, kind of hate side of it was trying to flip that and say, uh, basically that these kids belong to us. They Some of them had their kids uh, with signs that said I belong to my parents yeah like ownership like bodily ownership so their property so that that's what some of this hinged around and then of course uh, the counter side saying no trans kids deserve to be safe in schools yeah and so I don't I wasn't really sure what to expect to be honest <laughs> going in um, but I was really, I mean, of course, I, I feel like I was kind of reflecting after, like, did they, they really tried that out of, you know, Victoria of all places in Canada and British Columbia, Victoria is probably the last place that that, that sort of thing would be able to fly, I feel like. Um, and, and like you said, Victoria really, really showed up. I mean, I got there a bit after you and I was you you couldn't even see the people who were spreading the hate like i mean it was overwhelmingly counter protesters which was uh, incredible to see i mean i mean they had the they had the speakers you know like then the sound system but i feel like really it was they were totally totally overwhelmed um yeah and just to set the scene for people so we were at the bc legislature in downtown victoria and the hate rally was supposed to be from about 12 to 1 with their speakers, and then they were going to go on a march. And the plan for the march was not laid out in advance, probably to try to dodge counter-protesters. Um, but they were so overwhelmed by numbers. I think Vic PD estimated a crowd. It was, it was far over 2,000, what they were saying. So say if we're in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 2,400 total or something like that, um, 80% were counter-protesters. So yeah, when I, by the time I showed up, I showed up pretty close to, to 12. Um, I couldn't even see the hate group at first. I was confused because there were so many trans flags, rainbow flags, and chanting going on. I couldn't even see where the rally was, but then I could hear them speaking through a mic, not even that loudly. Um, so it took a while to get oriented to say like, well, hey, I know you have to ask people, hey, what's what's going on? Um, where's this hate rally? And it's like, oh, it's way up there. 
And so they were sequestered on one side of the lawn. Um, but they were so overwhelmed with numbers that they only got through maybe 45 minutes of the hour supposed to be hour long uh, speakers they yeah. had lined up. Um, I wasn't there at the front, so I didn't see what happened, but it did sound like the speakers got called up early by police. Um, they had to kind of pack things up, get off the stage. Um, a bunch of people left. And then it was a few hundred people in the hate rally remained surrounded by a wall of police. And then like 2,000 people kind of crushing around them. Uh, and we were told that, right, to be afraid uh, that they're going to overwhelm us with numbers coast to coast. Unfortunately, they did succeed at that in a lot of cities. But in Victoria, as you mentioned, we just just crushed it with the numbers and the the chanting of trans affirming people was so loud you couldn't hear what they're saying no and and when they didn't have a, a sound system i couldn't hear anything no until at one point i got close to the front and then you could hear individual people but you could tell these were people without a game plan yeah. like their whole rally fizzled their talks were cut short they were t either told or they decided to call off the march because there's no way they could march around downtown victoria without getting crushed two thousand people following them on the sidewalk it would be a danger yeah um so they basically were became an island ringed by police to keep counter protesters some distance between the groups and they had no game plan no and you, yeah you could tell definitely because i um and it is also it's interesting because I was reading after um, that, yeah, the police had actually told them all, "Okay, go home now." Like after when when the speakers were cut short, they were told by they well they said at one point, "Our police, we're going to talk to our police about what we should do now," and the police told them to go home. And and it was I'm surprised at how many actually did end up staying. Um, but yeah, I mean, and overall, the response was amazing. Something that I sort of noticed and, you know, do with, with this what you will. But um, I noticed that, I mean, I, you know, we know now that two people were arrested by the police. At least one I know of was on the counter protester side for passing like this line of police tape or whatever. Like mm -hmm. they passed it and so they got arrested. But I thought it was very interesting because I witnessed with my own eyes um, one of the anti-trans, anti-soji people like attack several, like pushing and attacking several police officers. Um, and they didn't, they didn't arrest him. They didn't tell him to leave. Mm -hmm. They just, There's the older man. Yeah. The There's older man. Too. Yeah. And, and yeah. in fact, when they kind of, gave him a they were giving him sort of a, just a stern talking to it it sounded yeah. like and even when they were you know telling him okay you can't do that he was like screaming in their faces and like was like really aggressive with them and i was like that's really i just thought it was very interesting because you know i have been to a lot of protests here in victoria specifically around things like indigenous rights and i cannot even imagine what would have happened to you, you know, a, an indigenous person, young or old, that decided to attack and shove police officers and like scream in their face. Like, I mean, they would have been in the paddy wagon within 
two minutes, not even. Like it would have, yeah. yeah. That was that was a bit shocking that there were no repercussions for this man other than, as you say, a stern talking to. And he shoved that officer hard. Like, like the officer multiple. fell forward. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's it. That They're surely going to toss that guy out at the very least. Yeah. They did not. He no. was allowed to remain there and protest. And so, yeah, that does feel like a double standard. Yeah. It's not surprising, though. Um, it was, yeah, it was an interesting thing. And I think, I think a lot of trans and queer folks generally in Victoria were feeling a lot of fear, just as people were across Canada, because these were well-coordinated rallies um, across the country in just about every province and territory. And in many provinces, there were a dozen or even a couple dozen. Like in Ontario, there was so many. Yeah. Even, even on the island alone. On the island, there were multiple. Yeah. Um, so people were very afraid, and I think they were in Victoria because the legislatures here, it's the capital, were afraid of like a big rally, like maybe, you know, height of the convoy type rally with the trucks and the numbers and so on. And here there were like a few trucks with flags and a few people with flags and signs, um, but quite diminished compared to what we'd seen um, at the height of the convoy time and all the pushback to um, vaccines and mass mandates and various things like that. So it seems like at least they've lost some of their uh, momentum at least in Victoria, but unfortunately, as we saw evidence across the country, it really varied. Like there were other places, Surrey, for example, uh, the protesters outnumbered the pro-trans folks by quite a lot. And so unsurprisingly, they planned another rally today. We're recording on a Saturday, um, another hate rally today because they had a big win there. Whereas Vancouver or Victoria, they got totally squashed. Oh yeah, and so, I you know they're not going to invest their time where they got a big defeat, but anywhere they made gains, they're like, oh, send everyone there. Yeah. Right. Let's. So uh, we got. They won't be able to mobilize enough people, which is bizarre, because Surrey is a massive population, surrounded by the whole greater, the low, whole lower mainland, but how you organize per municipality is going to vary. Maybe Surrey doesn't have a strong organizing base. So, and there are other cities like that I saw in the prairies uh, where the protesters outnumbered the counters by a, a, a sizable margin. Yeah. So, this is a significant movement, and we're seeing like convoy esque groups, and as been reported by CBC, like you mentioned that it's both conservative Christians and conservative Muslim groups. Yeah. These are extremists and stuff. Um, so they are kind of banding together and, uh, and trying to get, get themselves in the news to organize, make themselves a hot button issue and help us with political organizing, yeah. right? To get, uh, legislation passed that is going through right now in Saskatchewan and New Brunswick, where they are taking away those protections for trans kids in those already in those provinces. There's some um, litigation going through, and we'll see how that shakes out. 
whether they have to reverse course, because um, apparently there's some constitutional issues about protection of children that are being violated if you take away these the rights of kids to have access to SOGI, uh, which is sexual orientation, gender identity resources. That is not a forced curriculum. It's not indoctrination. It's like keeping kids safe in schools. That's all SOGI is. And to take that away uh, makes life worse and harms trans and queer kids. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's one of those things where, you know, like you, you know, you read like some of the, their, so, so I, you know, you, it was well, well organized in terms of that there were, you know, there were demonstrations in many, many cities across Canada. Um, but I feel like their, their messaging is not as well organized because I feel like, like, I know you know, you read online some of their sort of, and I won't, it doesn't even bear repeating, but it's, it's really this like conspiracy theory, like just totally out of this world in terms of right, realistic, right. like, you know, it's just, it's unreal. Um, and you see that, you see the reactions of people who are upset by that and the number of reactions, especially on social media, where people just, it's an incredulous reaction. How can people believe this? How can people believe that teachers or trans or queer people are grooming children at school? They're not. No. Kids are being kids, and they're being given extra room and space to have healthy conversations uh, if they wish to. Uh, with adults there and find resources if they are exploring gender identity uh, that's great um, so that it's spun into these conspiracy theories is yeah it's purely ridiculous it's founded on lies half-truths fabrication all this stuff um, but I feel like we're not super equipped into how to deal with that because you end up seeing a row of comments talk a bit about the social media reaction to stuff like this it's not always really helpful because you just have 50 comments that say oh that's a lie that's ridiculous blah blah, blah. it's like well that's true and everyone on here reading that agrees with you on that but if we all say in tandem that's ridiculous it doesn't get us anywhere yeah so the the move between being angry on social media even in some of those organizing pages, there was one that sprung up, thankfully, from someone on Vancouver Island to help. They, they only started it to help organize against hate rallies on the island. And it became a nationwide Facebook group. And as a result, it's so unwieldy. And there were thousands of people commenting from across the country. And it's just an organizing nightmare. So thank you to the people who are doing that work. They are trying to get more admins and some more order into it. Yeah. But it quickly <clears throat> makes us realize when people like will write a post on there, like, um, so how do we make a, like, how do we organize like they do? Or how do we get a national organization? It's like, well, this Facebook group won't be enough. Yeah. Like the starting point with which we come to these things, it can't be like, We've started, you know, we've started a Facebook group. That can't be the only 
that's an effective way to communicate when you have organized something locally. We have this counter protest or we have this positive event we're planning. Um, but sometimes it feels like there's an idea like, I will just sit here and look at social media on my phone. And that will be the means through which I want to counter all this political hate that's sweeping across Canada. And it's like, guess what? That's not going to be enough. Yeah. So there's, there is a kind of naivete that sometimes goes with it where people haven't done this work before. And they think if we just share and share and share and share and share on social media, we'll get somewhere. That's like, well, you'll work each other up. And you might share some valuable resources, but you're also just staring at your screen, getting upset and scared and anxious. You're not, that itself isn't a creative act to build a movement. So that's not easy, right? So it's really about building local movements, building relationships, building networks. Um, it's not gonna be like one social media group suddenly becoming like the progressive version of the convoy or something like the counter to the convoy like it needs a lot more than that because to the credit i i don't like to give credit <laughs> to, the, to hate, hate folks one good thing convoy and folks they're good at they're good at organizing their ideas are bonkers they're sometimes fascist they're scary all that stuff they're not good none of their ideas are good but they are good at organizing and they physically traveled from places they live to whether it was Ottawa or somewhere else, they did create a national movement that people got on board with yeah. and built momentum. And it does take something like that. You see people there, it is absolutely bonkers, but they're like waving at those trucks or they were in the convoy themselves and they were like happy. They are joyful that they are part of this and they'll start telling you QAnon stuff, right? Yeah. About conspiracy theories, about, you know, billionaires who are funding vaccine research and racist stuff and anti-queer stuff and it all gets rolled together and why they don't like the federal current federal government and so on. And, and at the same time, those guys are showing up and they're kind of having fun with like when they went to Ottawa, they had set up bouncy castles and mobile saunas and like they took over our nation's capital. It's insane. Uh, and they got away with it. And, you know, maybe a few leaders are sort of getting prosecuted, but barely, it seems. Yeah. Um, More of a slap on the wrist. <laughs> slap on the wrist kind of stuff. And they're getting notoriety because they're covered in the news now with their trials and stuff. Um, so the question in my mind is like, like we have to organize at the level where we're, we're making some sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, so another sort of aspect of that, that organizing and sort of, you're talking about like, you know, progress being the progressive version of the convoy. Maybe we need different vocabulary around <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but I know, so I had seen some some stuff like this online, and I know that I had saw you put some stuff online about it as well. But even this, like, this national Facebook group that is, like, I mean, you know, all about 
in in theory the fact that you know like we're supposed to be caring for a, a marginalized sort of group in society like trans people and and queer kids um and then at the same in the same sort of breath or in the same at the same time there was like a lot of uh pretty intense like anti uh, your Islamophobia, uh, Islamophobia in that group, a lot of people directing hate towards like immigrants of color in that group and stuff like that. I I guess because sort of one half of these hate organizers are conservative Muslims, but it's like, you know, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's hard because it's like how do you even like then you know when you talk about organizing nationally, it's like, how do you even organize with people like that? Because I feel like there's even division within the people that are trying to say, no, we care for, you know, you know, one of the chants was like, we love trans kids. And then they're on Facebook the next day, like, but those immigrants. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know? Yeah. That was uh, a sobering and a pretty sobering moment for me was, one is like, wow, we really crushed it at the counter protest in Victoria. And then reading all these comments from people on our side that are pro-queer, pro-trans. And then, as you said, the latent racism, yeah. which, while not surprising, is saddening, I yeah. guess. And I think that is evidence why it is so hard to organize these things because there's elements within the people we want to get on board um, who could easily spin it into like soon we're organizing hate-filled events ourselves because the undercurrent of some of that pro-trans messaging from some white people and in certain parts where they thought there were too many newcomers or too many immigrants or too many Muslims present, basically black and brown people, right? Yeah. And I saw them sharing images of their kids. I'm like, this is messed up. Yeah. Like, why are you sharing images of people's kids on the internet? And you're like, but look, they're holding a sign that says, like, one sign that one kid was holding said something like, uh, like, let's kick gays out of Canada or out of the country, something like that. Um, and that was soon being reversed. You could tell the propaganda arm was right there to say, well, guess who really should be kicked out of the country? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, boy. Yeah. We can't go from affirming trans kids in schools to like, hey, let's, uh, let's start deporting refugees and recent immigrants uh, based on your views. Yeah. That's scary. Absolutely. Um, and so you're right that the comments there made me realize this is just a great big mess. <laughs> and so um, that's not maybe your, you know, it's one of many places to get messages out. But you can't have a soup of 50,000 people. No. And a significant fraction of whom are shouting racist stuff. And then if you call them on that, they'll say, typical of the left, bunch of infighting. That's why we can't organize against conservatives and the right, because we just fight each other. And I'm like, you're only one degree away from a hate message. Not even one. That, no, that is it, a, is the, it is the hate message. Yeah. So you're affirming can, trans kids, 
but you're delivering a different hate message yeah of like anti-immigrant and and you could tell like most of the voices in there were white oh yeah there weren't many racialized people there was i had to engage with i'm ashamed to say a pastor on one of those conversations an indigenous person said hey i need this 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 and this um and a pastor from another province was on there saying, you know, I'd really like it if you go back and edit your post. This one thing you said, like, you know, rubs me the wrong way. And you should change that. I'm like, okay, let's take stock. You and I, sir, are white men, members of clergy. We don't criticize indigenous people and tell them to change their post because some they said you don't like. Yeah. Like, do you see the optics of this? This pastor did not see the optics of it and just doubled down and doubled down i'm like see this is why you can't build a movement solely through social media because people are just stupid on there our own people yeah this is someone we need showing up and is being like a total jerk uh against a marginalized person what's what's the message being sent to other marginalized people don't don't talk here because these white people will say racist stuff to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a little sobering. And so it makes me realize, um, and I think about, you know, people I've talked to talk about long-term organizing, say civil rights movement, something I go back to since I lived in Virginia for 10 years, um, that obviously, right, predating the the online era and people just had to build relationships and organize over months and years not flash mob style i mean yeah we need to be able to respond because we have the internet and because hate rallies go up we do need to be able to respond very timely sometimes within like 40 hours you know the day of sometimes uh but that that isn't going to build the movement it can't be just quick, quick, share it on Insta, share it on Facebook, share it on the Discord, and boom, we, we had a counter protest. Like, okay, that's good. But um, how, what are we doing to get to know our neighbors? What are we doing to build relationships? Um, what are we doing so that when times get tough, we have that network of people to call on and can send out that group email or put it on socials? and reach people effectively but you need to have that trust there first not 50,000 random people on the internet who might think all sorts of things yeah so yeah that's that one's that was a bit eye-opening for me to see how much racism there was in the wake because it uh, because you say the conservative muslims and other and some yeah some newcomers have been part of this and so how do we parse things like wanting to protect trans kids without it becoming a white liberal anti-immigrant movement yeah and it's i mean that's something that i mean oh like 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 protests that I've been involved in in the past in Victoria, it's really hard. It's it's kind of hard when you want a lot of people to come out 
to control the sort of message that's being put out, you know, like, um, I mean, we've had to, like, I, I took on the role one time of literally like standing in the crowd and then people at the front would send pictures of like, Oh, there's this person with this sign that is like totally out of the world offensive. And I would like go over and be like, can you please put that down? And most of the time they were like, you know, Oh, okay. Like a little confused, but I had a few people be like, well, like, come on. Like, and it's like, you, you know, yeah, it's like, you're supposed to be here to support us. Like, you know what I mean? And you're like trying to fight with me in the crowd right now about like the sign that you have. And, but, it, but it is, it's really, um, it's hard to, it's hard to, when you have so many different people from so many yeah. different, it, like yeah. just to control, like, you know, one message, you know, you know, right. it's and- possible, but it's hard. And yeah, the the goal can't be we're gonna control to be able to control the messaging of everything on every sign, but you do need to be able to what you just did. Like that's that's a well organized event. If you can go to people individually and say, hey, that's that's not cool. Yeah. Um, in the same way, right? That we expect at the hate rallies, if someone has a literal swastika, which by the way, is documented on TikTok and photo journalism that there were people with actual Nazi and Aryan nation symbols at these rallies, people who are well known for this, including on the island, there was someone in Nanaimo documented with with that, and they are not asked to remove those symbols. No. Like, they are permitted. That's how their, their tent is so big, it embraces white supremacy because that is a cornerstone of where some of them are coming from yeah it's complicated because you say well why would racialized conservative muslims be into that that's a complicated question yeah you unity at what cost right i was like it was surprising to hear that like the conservative christian and the conservative i'm like those don't seem to me like two groups that would usually drive but they're like yeah they're coming together to like spread this like you know this yeah this hateful message and it's like it's surprising there was a one uh one conservative christian group on the lower mainland that said they wouldn't be joining because they're they're christian nationalists and they only work with other white christians and so they pretty much showed their hand and said yeah we're we're a white supremacist right we we only work with white people um and so it's an actual bizarro upside upside downsy world and so I get it. So people are feel like the rug's been pulled under our feet that we're battling a basically wave of fascism. That yeah. it's not just people say, "Oh, it's going to come from the U.S. and it's going to be in Canada." Like, no, folks. Like, it's already here. It's always been here. Yeah. They're just emboldened, and it's not just a U.S. movement. There's a lot of excuses made. I saw that from white liberals too. Of like, "Oh, it's just the MAGA folks or whatever." It's like, uh the he- the head of the conservative party federally is like tweeting in support of these uh these rallies it's definitely not uh yeah, simply a US uh, problem yeah so yeah do do some of these people look at where conservatives extremists have had success in the US sure and that is can be like a brush fire right where it's like wow this is an effective populist strategy let's try that so sure, there's that kind of effect, but make no mistake, right? These are Canadian leaders, Canadian groups. We need to take ownership for that, not blame it on 
as though like the forest fire just spread across the border, right? I hear people speak in those terms. That's just completely false. Yeah, I did see a mega hat though mentioning mega hat. Yeah, mega people. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did see a mega hat. Yeah, there was the one, U.S. flag. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, uh, that's where it's fun. I did have a uh, kind of bullhorn with me and in the crowd and. That's the point at which you just got to lighten the mood a little bit and just kind of say hi to folks on the other side. Hey, our, hey, friend from the U.S., friend of Joe Biden, welcome. And, yeah. you know, just kind of, you know, say, hey, guys, you don't want to miss your reservation at the white spot. Like, go get those chicken tenders before they're cold. Like, maybe you want to go home. Yeah. Go to Tim Hortons. Just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's needed, especially it's very like it's I mean, because it's so disheartening that it's a real it's like a real issue that like people are actually going out and and yeah, like I mean, it, it's disheartening that there there's even a need for a counter protest to begin with. So, yeah, it's definitely some levity definitely helps. Yeah, and I think we need that because when we're talking about this heavy we're talking about white supremacy and Christian nationalism and all that stuff. Um I think some humor is needed. We need to take a deep breath. Uh, the kind of breathless, again, white liberal responses of like, like, oh, if we don't, if we don't like respond to this in like the next six months and we don't solve the climate crisis in the next six months, like the window's closed and we're, we're just all doomed to a fate of, total death and destruction like okay guys you know what that's not rallying anyone to act no to give them any sense that there's possibility now to use like a sports metaphor you think about now i am uh, i better not go too far in this analogy because i don't know anything about football but what i hear about from great quarterbacks um is the ability to use like mere seconds to make for them to feel like that is like they have 15 minutes to to go through their playbook and look for possibilities like there are all these people who are physically trying to crush them and they have the wherewithal to keep a cool head and a cool mind and throw an accurate pass that a receiver can catch and to do all that in a brief span of time and that's what separates the greats i mean obviously athletic skills uh are needed uh but that the mental gain is to tell yourself i have enough time to respond and to respond well to respond well enough to win and that's what it takes to win like when you're at the highest level of sport, it takes people who can see possibilities and are not panicking. And so the breath, what bothers me about the breathless reactions, which again, it's fine to have, to have expressed mourning, to express sorrow and frustration. Those are all human reactions, but that is not a reaction that generate, that builds a movement. Like we need to imagine that yes, there's wildfires burning around us. Uh, there's fascism sweeping around us. And we need to say, and you know what? 
I'm still gonna take time to throw this pass so someone catches it. And I'm gonna respond as though I have enough time to respond and that there can be good outcomes. And we're not giving up. Because we've all watched games in which a team has just given up. And that is sad. Yeah. There's nothing sadder than that. Right? And to be honest, at the end of that, watching those hate rally people, like most of them had just given up. And then they walked home and there were like some hammerheads left who just like, no, I'm going to stand here for as long as I physically can before my body won't let me kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they were just pure hammerheads about it. They had nothing. They had no message. They had no rally. They had no signs. They had no chance. They had nothing left. They were just physically standing there. That was it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. That's that's a weird that's a weird take. That was their take. But I think our response, we realized, hey, our team's winning this thing, right? It's like, wow, we won like thirty-two to nothing, <laughs> kind of thing in this game, right? Like, yeah. crushed it. Um, and not every game turns out that way. But we still want to respond as though there's po- there's that openness to possibility. So I think that's really important. When not to get into hope and blah blah blah, because you get some false positive thinking or like you know there's a yeah. kind of toxic positivity about everything's going to be okay. We're not making false promises. We don't know, but we have to believe there is a possibility, yeah. and we're going to act as though our actions matter. And that there is time, even if we're down, you know, way back in the game, that we could turn this around. So that, to me, is what kind of keeps me going. And so that's where social media is a toxic soup, where you just read through all this kind of trauma, people's collective trauma and sadness and just, you know, disillusionment and whatever. It's like... Okay, there's a point in which you have to disengage with that and you just have to take care of ourselves, plan for tomorrow. Yeah. You always do a good job of bringing it back to a hopeful side at the end of the episode. I, I, like, I feel like I say that every single episode, but it's, you know, it's good. It, like, you know, you always manage to bring it full circle into something positive at, at the end. And um, so I appreciate it. Um I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon. Um, I don't know if you have any sort of final thoughts. One thing that I kind of want to mention, I was, you know, I was very sort of heartened to see like the, the response from uh, uh, many leaders in like Victoria's religious community were obviously like showing up on the side of the counter protests. And that, I mean, I saw that, also Canada wide with like, you know, Facebook, social media connections and stuff like that. It was, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else, but you know, so, you know, can be surprised. I feel like, and, and it, I feel like the, you know, especially multi-faith at UVic, like all the people from multi-faith, all the leaders, spiritual care providers, including yourself from multi-faith all showed up on the side of, you know, the good acceptance, the love. And I was, that was like, you know, I feel like it affirmed in in my mind, in my heart. It's like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, multi-faith is amazing and, and the work that is done at multi-faith is amazing. And 
so yeah, I just, I wanted to I wanted to also bring that up. You know, we've talked a lot about the conservative Christians and the conservative Muslims in terms of the the faith side of the faith and justice podcast, but I also wanted to like put you know just put that out there that I was very it was inspiring. It was it was heartening. Yeah, and it it did feel like kind of a big party in some ways because yeah. when we're you know not at the front, it was just meet and greet with like all our friends are. Yeah, other Christian friends, community friends. Yeah. Uh, I saw my MP out there with her family. Uh, I saw so many people who were there to just took who took time off work and wanted to be there and make sure there was a robust response. Yeah. And so it it was quite festive. Yeah. As far as responding to a hate rally goes, like you say, yeah. there was. It was a reminder, like talking about relationships, we have built a lot of relationships in Victoria. And I think that's partly why Yeah. Um, this, you know, it being a mid-sized city has had a successful go at it because people do know each other and do care and will take time to show up. So it was very heartening. I was very encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you want to do you want to do the outro? You want me to? Uh, sure. Well, as always, we thank you for listening to Boston and I here at Let's Talk Faith and Justice. We like to thank CFUV Campus Radio here at UVic for letting us record in their space and helping put out the podcast. We thank Multifaith UVic, uh, through whom we're under their umbrella with inclusive Christians. I think Lutheran Church of the Cross uh, supporting us. Um, And it's just great to be back here for this fall on campus and recording. And uh, I feel like we've got some good pause momentum. We also have a live show coming up. You can look forward to if you live in Victoria or that area. Uh, It's going to be on November 2nd, part of the five days of action that UVic puts on. And the details there will be November 2nd, 4.30 p.m., uh, we'll share the details online, and it's with the five days of action as part of UVic's kind of anti-racism and inclusivity week. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. We'll catch us next time on the pod. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye.